friends, and welcome to Love Hate Relationship, an opinionated podcast for opinionated people. I'm Andy Bowell. And I'm Alex Ruiz, and this time we are not doing any of the normal stuff we do. I mean, you know what? I kind of hope that I can brighten your day when we when we launch into this discussion. But before anything else, I'm just gonna say Happy Holidays, everyone. Happy holidays, internet friends. We have um Decided to completely flip our script for the holiday season. And, uh, you know what? I'm even going to forsake our douchebag buffer a little bit because I want to... I, I like the idea of the preamble that we're going to have to this particular project. Sure. So so in maybe our most cohesive episode ever, <laughs> we're going to start the episode instead of talking about random stuff, talking about what we're here to do today for our holiday special. And And as an introduction to this... We had previously done a triple love special on the James Bond films. Yes. And I can't remember if I mentioned during that or not, but um, these films hold a very special place in my heart for a lot of reasons. But one thing in particular was, for me, these were Christmas movies. Oh, that's right. Okay. And when I talk about these being Christmas movies, I talk about the fact that Throughout a huge chunk of my childhood, Spike TV had its 25 Days of Bond, where starting December, they would just marathon shitloads of Bond movies. Sure. And obviously they were doing that so that they didn't have to pay for, you know, a whole ton of original content. It was past the time all their seasonal shows were done. Rather than just run reruns or something like that, they could just throw on shitloads of Bond films. But the thing was... I came from a Bond family, mm. and there are so many holiday seasons that I can recall where some variation of me and my my parents and my sister would sit on our couch and watch Bond movies, every Bond movie that would come on, every one available to us. And I love that, and I, I, I will go ahead and say I think... That is incredibly dear. I love that that is so important to you. I don't have that same exact kind of, like, exact kind of thing. It wasn't a holiday movie for me. I think I tuned in occasionally for the 25 Days of Bond. But, yeah, we we talked about this previously. Like, I also am just a huge James Bond fan. Uh, If I have to come up with any reason, I think it's... That is a, a franchise that my grandparents... Both my mom and dad and myself all, like, enjoyed, as opposed to, like, my dad and grandpa like war movies, but my nana and mom don't, so on and so forth. So this would just be an easy, like, pull for an entertaining action movie. It's got something for everybody. It's for the whole family. Yeah. And I famously had my 16th birthday be James Bond themed. Oh my we, god, that's so cute. We, we talked at length about this before. Go back and find that episode if you want a little bit more of a an in-depth analysis on why we love the James Bond films. But something we didn't do in that episode was comprehensively rank the James Bond films. No, we did not. And I don't know, maybe we were drinking, maybe we were sober and just fucking around, but we had an idea that it might be a really fun thing on this podcast to sit down, 
and do something that people have been doing for like the last, what, two, three years? As long as we've had the internet and probably before that. I mean specifically the tier list. Oh, fair enough, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, the, the, and, and, and by the way, we are, we're doing this tier list, right? And I, I sat down to like open up my computer and get things set up and I said to Andy, oh, I should probably pull up a tier list website. Andy had already found a tier list website that was already pre-populated with all 25 James Bond movies. We are not the first ones to do this. We are not. And if you are at all familiar with modern internet culture, you've seen a tier maker tier list. It is like a copyrighted thing you can go online right now and play along with us if you want. Just in case you're unfamiliar, this is a like easy template, color-coded, and lined in such a way that you can easily just throw a bunch of pictures of blank. In this case, it's Bond films to create a very easy visual ranking system. And I'm going to see if it's even possible, but at the very least on our website, I am going to post an image of this tier list. It may or may not be available in your Spotify players or Apple podcast players, but I'll definitely include a link to the site so that you can see the tier list. And if nothing else, it'll be up on our Twitter, which is at LHRPod, for as long as that site is not something you have to pay for. I mean, yeah, we're, we're working on a blue sky, y'all. We're scared to figure out how Blue Sky works, but we are working on one. It's, it's, it's like discovering fire, except, you know, not as exciting. Indeed. But, so yeah, what we are here is to, we, we have a preloaded thing I found on the internet. It has all 25 James Bond films. It's funny, because I'm sitting here thinking about the 25 Days of Bond, and it's like, only with this last film that came out, the Daniel Craig film No Time to Die, are there actually 25 Bond films? Oh no, let, let, let me be clear. I don't I don't think they were 24-hour Bond oh, marathons. Sure, sure. But, like, at the very least, a significant programming block, minimum, minimum of, like, 8 to 12 hours was just Bond films playing. With the commercials, with the cuts, it was Spike TV, so they could do a little bit more than you'd get on, like, when PBS would show the most recent Bond movie, cut down to, sure. you know, whatever they were going to do there. But it was, man, it was so good. <laughs> I don't even mind the commercial breaks. Uh, okay, before we get started, we did create a list of rules here. Because of course we did. Because they, w they will play in here. So, first of all, and this will come up up front, if there's a film that one of us isn't familiar with, we will default to the other's opinion. Indeed. And there'll be, you know, there will still be discussion there, but generally speaking, we will trust the other one to really give the opinion there. I think that'll be more of a thing for me than for Andy, um, but we'll here we are. We'll see. Um, if there's one that neither of us, it, also if we don't remember it very well. Yeah. Um, also, if there's one that neither of us have seen, and spoiler alert, there is one, uh, we will withhold ranking altogether. Uh, we are only going to be doing the Eon films. So, so the official 25 Bond films, not the ancillary companies, not that weird American adaptation where it was, a, I think his name was like Jimmy Bond or something. Oh yeah, I didn't even remember that existed. Yeah, we're not doing the James Bond Jr. animated TV show. 
We're not doing the black and white Casino Royale movie. And the one that comes to mind for most people, I think, we are not ranking the Sean Connery MGM film Never Say Never Again, which is the remake of Thunderball. We will talk about Thunderball, and Andy will inevitably reference Never Say Never Again while discussing Thunderball, and that might be a fun little um, fist fight during this recording. Indeed. Um, By the way, references to other properties and media may be used in this discussion. We are 100% going to talk about the GoldenEye video game. We will select our rankings through discussion, and we will try to mutually agree on things as best as we possibly can. That said, we each get one override, Mm -hmm. as in this movie cannot be higher or lower than whatever X thing we say. Absolutely. So, to torture the metaphor, we each have one bullet in our golden guns that we cannot miss with, and we each have one sub-sandwich that gets mistaken for a bazooka. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Because conversely, we each get to pick one Bond film and go, no, this film fucking sucks. It is one of the worst. It cannot be ranked higher than this tier. Or we can use the veto to make sure that a Bond film that the other person thinks sucks can absolutely not be ranked any lower than a certain thing. Oh, Alex, you immediately gamified this into something that could be hostile. It was always going to be hostile, Andy. Indeed. It was always going to be... Use, save your veto. Use it wisely. Noted. Um, also, this this is a normal thing in tier list, but we just want to make sure we communicate it. We are going to rank these movies into tiers. We have S, which is the top quality, A, B, C, D, and then at the bottom, the worst films, F. Mm-hmm. We also have an unrated tier. Uh, Just, again, for the ones that neither of us have seen. And not only are we going to rank them into those tiers, but within those tiers, we are going to rank them in quality as well. So the B tier, which is going to be movies that are pretty good, not so great, you know, generally a positive experience, we're also going to rank the best to worst beat level Bond films there as well. Exactly. So once again, you can check out this list on at LHR pod or on our website. So this might be something you reference back and forth. Although maybe wait till the end of the episode in case you care about spoilers. Or maybe you pull it up and see how we move along. I I always love when I see the summary uh, tier Mm. list at the beginning And then someone initially ranks something in a weird spot and then they end up moving it midway because they're like, no, no, there's no way this is better than that. Then you know what? That's fair. And if we were not hacks and frauds, I would have figured out some way to like put this on Twitch with a screen grab. Yes, but we are hacks and frauds. Something for next year. So shall we continue? What will we tier list next year? Beatles albums. Oh, be still my heart. (laughs) So without further ado, and the last note, we are going to be ranking these in chronological order, um, only because that is the easiest and simplest way I could think to do it without making it a total arbitrary mess. Straight up. So with that said, before we get into it, the one Bond film that neither of us has had a chance to see is in fact the most recent Daniel Craig Bond film, No Time to Die. 
So when you're looking at our tier list, you will see at the bottom, there's a little spot that says unrated. It's not that No Time to Die is an unrated movie. I'm pretty sure it's rated PG-13 like most Bond films. But uh, we are not ranking it. Yeah. Because we haven't seen it, so we cannot comment on it. It was delayed because of the Panorama Vision, and then it finally got released, but we are both men in our 30s with full-time jobs, and we just haven't watched it yet. Yep. I still haven't watched a bunch of Craig movies, so I'm going to rely on you for that. Oh, cracks knuckles excitedly. Oh, dear God. With that said, let us now get into the proper listing and ranking. So we begin with 1962's Sean Connery classic, the debut of James Bond in the Eon film catalog, Dr. No. Bond. James Bond. I gotta drop a bomb on you right at the beginning. Have you never seen Dr. No? Oh no, I've seen Dr. No. I was about to hurt you. This is not me using my veto or bullet. This is me just stating my opinion. I don't think Dr. No is a particularly good James Bond film. And I don't think it could go any higher than low B, personally. Interesting. Okay, so we've got our first disagreement there. I would not call Dr. No S-tier. It is definitely trying to find its footing. It's definitely um, kind of laying a lot of groundwork. However, it lays that, I would argue it lays that groundwork really, really well. This is where, okay, I've talked about my love of the movie Halloween. Sure. But I've stated up front. Halloween, to a lot of horror fans, doesn't really hold up because it set so many standards and Mm -hmm. set them at a very leisurely pace. There's not that many kills, but the kills are fairly creative. Its pacing is very much what you kind of expect from a thriller slasher movie, but it doesn't get into the quick pacing of movies that later ripped it off. Sure. Dr. No, to me, falls in very similarly because we get a lot of really... I, I think of Dr. No and I think the of the early scene where Bond is told by M that he has to give up his Beretta because it jammed on his last mission, so he has to now carry a Walther. And when you think about what the Walther pistol... Yeah. Originally, it was um, a Walter PPK. Yep. Um, When you think about what that means to the rest of the franchise, the fact that you literally have the James Bond moment where he gets the Walter and he almost sneaks out with the Beretta, but M catches him. I think about that. Sure. Um, That said, Dr. No himself, fairly forgettable villain. Yeah, and my, my thing, my only counter to that is... So many of the things that you're talking about and also the things that I think are like the other iconic moments I like about Dr. No are more things that are the introduction of Bond tropes. Mm -hmm. I think the moment where he is in the casino and says Bond, James Bond to the sexy card player Mm -hmm. is like a top two James Bond moment. When you when when people think about James Bond, that is one of the very first things they probably think of. I think Ursula Andress 
as the first Bond girl. Honey Rider. Honey Rider, the first Bond pun sex name, is like a great Bond girl. But the the first Bond girl was always going to have a like extra attachment in people's minds because she was always going to be the first one. Mm. The first times James the first time James Bond introduced himself was always going to have like a moment of gravitas as long as it was done well. So again, I don't think Dr. No is bad. You okay, so you say low B tier. I would probably put Dr. No in the low A, high B tier. I I am willing to compromise. I, I think there is enough that is interesting. Um, it's always so funny because I, I distinctly remember the first time I watched this film. And listeners, if you don't remember, the first time you watched Dr. No, the first like five minutes are these three older Caribbean men walking around various different places and murdering people, murdering presumed other spies while this, like, steel drum, three blind mice song plays. Which is, which I would argue is a pretty cool sequence. It, it is a memorable sequence for sure. In my mind, I was so much like, but when are we getting to the Bond a James Bond film starts with like a little preamble scene where Bond is doing some other fucking thing. Hmm. And this one doesn't. And, and because it's the first one they did. And they that was just a stylistic choice they made. I am not mad at solidly putting Dr. No in the B tier. Whether it is in the high or low B side of that will remain to be seen. Okay. I'll stick it in the B tier, but I will argue for it to be fairly high in the B tier. Okay. All right. I'm cool. fine with that. All right. So uh, next up, we have um, From Russia With Love, 1963. What do you remember about From Russia With Love? I remember most of From Russia With Love because, again, and I promise I'm not going to have a hot take with every one of these, but I do have a hot take with this film. From Russia with Love is the best Connery Bond film. From Russia with Love is an S tier film to me. I disagree with calling it the best Connery Bond film. However, I am not mad at that opinion. I don't, I'm not offended at that opinion. Sure. And I'm not even necessarily sure that I would call. I would be mad at it being S tier. I I think it's it, it is it is classic Bond. Yeah. It takes the. Um, there's no sophomore slump with this. It very much ta- picks up where Dr. No left off. Explicitly, it's like partially about Spectre getting revenge for Dr. No dying at the end of the... Or getting being killed at the end of the first movie. Right. And even though, even though Spectre is introduced in Dr. No, I feel like we get to sit in what Spectre is a little bit more in From Russia With Love. So we get a little bit more of establishment of the villains we get... A little bit more of they're they're a little less campy. Um, I will say Rosa Kleb, who is the um, Soviet counter spy, mm-hmm. who is like the um, the the old, the evil older woman. Yeah, she is like the main antagonist of that film and is so much less memorable than Doctor Now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and you know what? It is. It, 
it's not the first time you see his face, but it is kind of your introduction to Blofeld. Yes. It is the first time. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, if I remember this correctly, you see him just as the, like, cat petting. I don't think he's even played by Donald Pleasance yet. No. Because it's a random person because you don't see his face. He's just the big evil bad guy who is petting the cat and creates that visual trope, which has gone on to be a staple of any It's, it's almost cliche thing. at this yeah, point. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. So you know what? From Russia with love, I'm not mad. Uh, I'd say low S tier. I can go with that. I just, like, my, my biggest thing, because I, I, I want to mention this. You're going to talk about the GoldenEye video game. I don't know if you know this. When the James Bond films were in a tiny bit of a slump and somebody was like, we need to make a fucking Sean Connery-based video game just to try and wring some money out of this corpse, Mm -hmm. the film they turned into a video game was From Russia With Love. It's, It's not great, but it is very fun. And also, truly, just as like a critical thing, I always think about the train sequence in From Russia With Love... Uh, yeah, Q gives Bond this briefcase just full of fancy-ass gadgets, mm-hmm. and he uses every single one in that sequence yes. against the evil Russian counter-spy who's it's, trying to kill him. It's very British plot. It's very Anton Chekhov. It's very... we have, That was also the golden era of Q gadgets. Yeah. Like, oh, I, yeah. I adored that, so... Okay, no. Low S tier on From Russia With Love. For I'm not sure. mad about it. I can take it. All right. Third film. We, we want to talk about things that became somewhat cliche after the fact. We've got Goldfinger. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. I feel like I've taken the lead two times in a row. I want to defer to you. I thought I took the lead on Dr. No, but Goldfinger... It... it Okay, Goldfinger needs to rank highly. It is a very, very good Bond film. I think it does suffer a little bit by being smack dab, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, it's smack dab between From Russia With Love and Thunderball. Sure. And I'll I'll talk more about this when we get to it, but I would argue Thunderball is the best Connery film. Mm-hmm. Goldfinger is a very, very good Connery film. Yes. Um, I would argue it's better than Dr. No, definitely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I don't, but I don't think it's S tier. So, I think it has a handful of iconic moments. Um, it, we all, we all know the laser scene. The laser scene. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I, I expect, expect you, you to die. die is like, again, that, that is one of the other like top three things somebody thinks of when they think of James Bond. Pussy Galore is a terrible Bond girl name. Um, does not work at all. And I what they were going for, it just it just does not work. Sure. Um, despite Honor Blackman being a fantastic actor. Um, I think the... I, I you, you talked about Bond openings earlier. Um... The early sequence with the woman in the gold paint, mm-hmm. I think, is classic. Yeah, and and absolutely and absolutely fantastic. Um, and we even later get the like iconic. I don't even know if it's iconic. A, a very me- poignant, meaningful moment of Bond with the girl that he was messing around with later being killed 
or, or having been killed by being covered in the gold paint and Connery really putting forward the performance of there being guilt there, right. but also just moving ahead because that's what James Bond does. Sure. Um, people make a joke about how you can't watch the Lord of the Rings films without mentioning the time uh, Viggo Mortensen breaks his toe. I think the Bond version of that is you can't talk about Goldfinger without mentioning that that was toxic paint that the woman was covered in. Yeah. And she could not breathe through her pores, which is a thing you're supposed to be able to do, and they yeah. had to get that shit off of her as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, um, so I would I would definitely rank this A tier, I think. I think this is A tier. I think it's worth mentioning. This gives us Odd Job, who is... Has not aged well. But is iconic. But is maybe the most iconic Bond henchman in the entire franchise. We'll have a conversation about Jaws later. I, I think Goldfinger does so many things well. I honestly do think the third act plot kind of just muddles and crashes and gets really... We're going to rob Fort Knox, see? Exactly. And so for that reason, I definitely think it is not as good as From Russia With Love. You've already spoiled. You don't think it's as good as Thunderball. So I, I, I think A tier is where this one deserves to be. Okay. Now, number four, Thunderball. This is an S tier movie. And he strikes like Thunderball. So, I'm not going to argue with you, but here's, here's my thing. Never Say Never Again, which we are not talking about. We're not ranking. We can talk we, about We're it. not ranking. Never Say Never Again, the last time you ever see Sean Connery in the role of James Bond, is a beat-for-beat beat remake of Thunderball. Yes, for MGM. And my... Steaming hot take is I think Never Say Never Again is better. And I respectfully disagree with the shit out of that. <laughs> 18 years later, Never Say Never Again. I, I, ugh. I will It's good. I like it. I like it. Sure. But Thunderball, ugh, man. That, so I only say it's better than Thunderball. That's not to say that Thunderball is bad. I really enjoy Thunderball. I feel like that is the best time Bond... Like, that is the... That is, that is set in the Bahamas, for the most part. And that is one of the most, like, fun set in the Bahamas Bond films. Mm -hmm. Like, I always think about the, the, uh, the pool filled with sharks. And Bond has to fight a shark. Um, I think Emilio Largo is a very interesting and fun villain it's maybe the best showing of bond's cia friend felix lighter felix lighter is classic and i i do love that character and he was in the first like he was in dr no i don't know if he was in the other two but so felix lighter was an established character yeah and i remember enjoying him much more in thunderball yeah I'm not going to fight with you on Thunderball. And I'm, I'm going to save my, my, my takes otherwise. I think the, the atomic bomb and the... the um, isn't it like a fucking laser gun? A, a satellite laser? Isn't that what Thunderball is? 
Sort of. Yeah. It's 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 a space weapon. It's a space weapon, and I I I enjoy that. Now, here's where we might come to blows. I think from Russia with love is better. You think from Russia with love is better, but you did agree to let me have from Russia with love be low S tier. I I sure did. How mu- okay? Let me ask you. Take a quick glance at some of the movies coming up. Do you think any are significantly uh, in between from Russia with Love and Thunderbolt? Oh goodness. Um, let me take a quick gander here. Because I would argue that the two of them are pretty close. Yeah, they're pretty close. I mean. Without knowing how specifically you mean by coming up, there's there's only one film in the next five that I think is better. Interesting. Okay. Um, Here, here's my thing. Part of the reason I like From Russia with Love is I think that is some of the best spycraft of the Connery Bond films. And with Thunderball... I think they had come to realize that we can make these a little more exciting. We can have James Bond fight a shark. We can get um, the Bond girls to be a little bit more of like eye candy. And I think pound for pound, Thunderball is a little bit more of an adventure film than a spy film. That's also part of the reason why I think Never Say Never Again is better than it, because Never Say Never Again kind of redoes some of the elements and makes it more about, like, Bond, you're too old to be a good spy. Fuck you. I'm going to go be a good spy. I'm going to give you this. I will let you put Thunderball below from Russia with Love. Okay. But you owe me one. All right. All right. All this right. Is, this is not rewriting the veto yes. rules. This is I am compromising in your favor here. And I expect that I'll get a compromise from you on a future Bond film. I understand, and I will take that in good faith. Okay. Okay, so next up, we have You Only Live Twice, 1967. Now, this is a weird one. Um, This is the one set in Japan. (laughs) This is the one set in Japan. Um, This... I don't know if you know this. Um, <laughs> this one was actually written by Roald Dahl. I did not know that, and that is batshit to me. You, you didn't know that? I did not know that. Oh, dear God. Uh, yeah, so Roald Dahl, who famously was the author of James and the Giant Peach, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and a bunch of other... Mostly children's stories, uh, who was also in the uh, Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare with Christopher Lee back in World War II, did a lot of stuff. I think I forgot that, but yeah, 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 yeah he was, yeah. Yeah, so Roald Dahl actually wrote You Only Live Twice, and it's it's based on um, the Ian Fleming novel. Sure. Um, but it also barely follows it at all. It's basically got a handful of characters and some plot points and then largely just did a whole bunch of other shit with it. 
Um, and yeah, this is... This is the one where Bond goes to Japan. Now, isn't this also the first time we actually see Ernst Stavro Blofeld, the uh, primary antagonist of the franchise? I'm pretty sure it is. I think it is. I think it is the first time you actually like see him as played by Donald Pleasance. Right. Um, absolutely, you know, classic. This is also the one with the weird... Um, auto gyro thing created by Q. Yeah, the helicopter. Yeah, it's um it's a silly movie. Um I'll be honest, we're we're talking about it with all this fun stuff, but I don't look on this movie super fondly. Like I remember it, I enjoyed it, but I I'm feeling a fairly strong on this. Yeah, no, I I agree this is a C. Honestly, not to give it away, but I think every Bond who gets enough of these movies just winds up running a gamut of quality. And for Connery, this is on the the lower end. And this was also set to be his final showing as as Bond. I think there was kind of a, a sense that he was kind of tired with the role and they wanted to do some other stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I... I do not hate this movie by any means. I wouldn't say it's awful, but I would say it is a C tier movie. Yeah, I. It's it's whatever. I, I I'm not gonna turn it off on my Bond movie marathon, but I think it's a C one. Sure. It's it's definitely the worst of the Conneries, but the Conneries are still generally pretty good. Yeah. So okay, next up we have one that I think you and I are gonna get into. I think a little little bit. Um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the singular entry uh, with George Lazenby as Bond. This never happened to the other fella. Indeed. I don't like this movie. And I owe you a fucking favor now. (laughs) I really like this movie. I don't think it's anything spectacular. I'm not secretly going to say that Lazenby is the best Bond, but I think this movie is fun. I think I look on this movie a lot favorably than most do. I think I look at George Lazenby as James Bond more favorably than most do. This also has Telly Savalas as Blofeld. This does have Telly Savalas as Blofeld, and I love me some Telly Savalas. I love Telly Savalas, not as Blofeld. No, I, the things I, I like the most about this film, and then I'm going to let you crap all over it, I think leaning into the absurdity of Bond, having him be stuck in a private ski resort with his mortal enemy, and like... Six Hot Chicks is funny in a Bond way. I, I, I actually do really like that they try to do something new and for the time, like, really bold with the character by having him actually fall in love with somebody. I think Diana Rigg as uh, the Contessa... Teresa. Uh, yeah, Teresa is like... One of the better Bond women. I I, fe- I felt pathos when she dies at the end of the movie. I enjoy those aspects of it. But I owe you a favor. 
I'm not sure if I want to call the favor in here, but I feel that this movie is strongly... I don't think... Just in case you were about to rank this higher than I was willing to let you, I just, just off the top of my head, I would say this is either the best C or the worst B. See, I'm firmly, this is like, I could, I, I, I don't, I don't know that it's an F. I struggle to think of other movies. Well, I can think of one or two movies I would rank as an F underneath it. This feels like a pretty strong D to me. Mm. I'm I'm not necessarily going to call in my favor here, but I would put this pretty solidly like C or D. Is this movie better or worse than You Only Live Twice? This movie is worse than You Only Live Twice. Really? To me, yes. Oh, I definitely disagree with that. And, okay, I, I know where we're going to fight later on. Um, I, I, I... I don't mind putting it lower C. I How's don't... That? Yeah, we can, we can agree on a C. Fine. On Her Majesty's <laughs> Secret Service... Let no one ever say that I'm not soft on you. Indeed. I, I don't think anyone does. <laughs> uh... So that brings us to the next film, which is the actual final Sean Connery Eon Bond movie. Diamonds are forever. Because the general public agrees with you and fucking hated Lazenby as Bond. I think they just couldn't get over the idea of Bond in a kilt, personally. After how many years we had Roger Moore, you think they couldn't handle Bond in a kilt? Well, Moore came later. Mm. I, I think the people who were used to Connery Bond didn't like Bond in a kilt. But then they brought back Connery Bond. And Diamonds Are Forever is... Okay, there are people who are going to call it iconic. I, I have at least one person in my life who would say this movie is solid A or S tier. Interesting. I disagree with that notion. I would... Pr this feels like a BC to me. I... I don't know how much I want to, like, put my head on the chopping block with this. I think this is the worst of the Connery films. I do okay. not like Diamonds Are Forever. Do you think it's worse than You Only Live Twice? Yes. Easily, yes. Interesting. Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid are stupid joke characters. They are funny in the wrong way. They were clearly scrambling because Lazenby didn't work out, so they, like, begged Connery to come back and be Bond. I think, I think Tiffany Case is a perfectly fine Bond woman. Um... But this this one just doesn't. I don't love it. You mentioned none of the none of the Conneries are awful, and I would agree with that. But I I would say this is the worst. Where it falls on our actual ranking, unless you have a strong feeling, I say it's a C. I, I'm comfortable putting it as a C. I would probably. What do you think? You you have to be the one to decide this, because I would put it at the top of our C tier right now. I would put it under You Only Live Twice. I put it between You Only Live Twice and Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Okay. I can go with that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I, I, you know what? I'm not mad. I'll put, it, I'll put it at the higher end of the C list. All right. 
Fair enough. I'm, I'm fine with that. So, okay. Uh, next, we have the opening to the Roger Moore oeuvre. Mm-hmm. And what I would argue, uh, and and there are Paul McCartney fans who disagree with me, I would argue this is one of the better Bond songs. Yes, without a doubt. This is one of the first times that we have a Bond song that is, like, charting and makes a huge impact on what uh, what is popular music. It's a great wing song. It's a better Guns N' Roses song. I I don't hate that opinion. I think the song is the best thing about the movie. I would agree with that. This was definitely um this this was a cl- I defend Roger Moore's Bond. Sure. I don't know why my voice cracked on that. I defend Roger Moore's Bond generally speaking. That said, this was a clumsy entry for him. It's very much chasing the black exploitation trend yeah. of the early seventies. This this is a horrible first showing for bon, for Roger Moore. It's racist. It's exploitative. Yeah, this it's this is stupid. the New Orleans one for those of you who don't remember. Well, this is the one with um, Mr. Big. Who looks like a fucking WWE WrestleMania character wearing the top hat and the skull makeup over his, like, skin. And, like, it's it's like an open vest situation. Yeah. I mean, if you don't like Mr. Wink and Mr. Kid, you're... By the way, we didn't even mention Mr. Wink and Mr. Fib, who are in uh, Kids Next Door as characters, are fucking classic animation characters. Oh my god, that's right. And I don't think I even put it in my together in my mind that those are meant to call back to those characters until you just said it. Mind blown. <laughs> anyway, Mr. Uh, Big is this movie sucks. Yeah, this movie uh, this movie isn't forgettable. This movie is forgettable except for the really shitty parts. Like it yes. exists to criticize Again, Moore's Bond is actually maybe the best part of this film, except possibly for the Wings song. Sure. And even then, it's not the best Moore foray. We're going to get to the best Moore foray foray in a little bit. But, um, yeah, no, I feel I can comfortably put this in the, like, D or F. My instinct is to put this in F. I this is maybe my single least favorite Bond film, bar none. Okay, I do not mind putting "Live and Let Die" in F. Again, other than that song, that song's the one thing that kind of pushes it up for me. But I rank it high F. Okay, fair enough. Probably, I, I, I can go with that. Now the next one, I would argue, is an S tier movie. Yes, the Man with the Golden Gun. Turn around. You always take a shower with a pistol. At any given moment, this is a top three, sometimes a top one Bond movie for me. This is Roger Moore. 
This is Christopher Lee. This is the classic uh, Scaramanga character. Um, you referenced the Golden Gun um, earlier when we were talking about our vetoes. Like, and 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 this is a really interesting. Like, okay, this movie has a very dumb plot hole in that like Bond is chasing after this like thing that's supposed to be able to get him uh, this this Solex agitator device that's yeah. supposed to activate this solar energy thing. And then, like, he finds out that there's a hit put on him by this one, like, top hitman. And then he goes to chase after the hitman, and that hitman happens to have the Solex, and they do a pretty shit job of explaining that. Sure. Like, it's got a very dumb plot hole there, but the tension of the... What happens when Bond, famously the license to kill Bond, in the in Doctor No, it says you have a license to kill, not to die. Like right. when that character is being chased by arguably the greatest hitman alive, a man who literally only needs one bullet because he's so good, yeah. who charges a million dollars a hit. Like the plot is excellent. I I think the tension of this is great. The duel sequence is such a great fake out. The duel sequence is incredible. Our introduction to Christopher Lee's Scaramanga, where he's talking to it's like I think it's like some Soviet dude, and he builds the golden gun from parts of just random shit that he has on his desk. He's like hidden the gun barrel in a pen cup. He's the ci- his cigarette lighter is the handle of the gun. Like, that is one of the coolest things. Yeah. Scaramanga is maybe the coolest and best Bond villain. Yeah. And and, and you, you get uh, Knickknack, Hervé Villachese, uh, long way from Fantasy Island in this one. Indeed. But not, also not that far from Fantasy Island. Oh, Christopher Lee's right there. No, 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 that's, um, that's not Christopher Lee. That's Ricardo Montalban. That's Ricardo, okay, never mind. Strike that. But he's still, like... The manservant on an island. Right, right, right. Like it's 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 so good. Like this. Okay, so here here's the thing. Then we agree this is S tier. Yes. I think this is one of the best moors. Is this better than Thunderball or From Russia with Love? Uh, for me, yes. Where are you? If you want to cash in your favor, I will I will agree to put this above From Russia with Love. Otherwise, I'm going to have to state it goes between the two. I'll cash in my favor. All I'll right. put it above From Russia with Love. Keep in mind, neither of us have used our vetoes yet. Indeed. But I, I will happily take my favor to I don't even remember what I what I gave you that favor for, but here we are. I think you let me say Goldfinger was only an A tier. Maybe. Yeah, indeed. Was it worth it? <laughs> I I kind of love that we go from the worst Bond film we've talked about to the best Bond film we've talked about. I, listen, I just again, live and let die. I, I there there are maybe worse things. I know people who will argue there are worse things, but I just... The man with the golden gun. Like, if if Live and Let Die was a clumsy opener, the man with the golden gun... Like, th- this continues our trend of Bond movies where, like, a bo- you give a Bond a sophomore effort, yeah. 
and he and it's incredible. Maybe Lazenby's second Bond film would have been decent. Maybe he would have actually taken some acting classes. But <laughs> that's just for you. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, I, I, the man with the golden gun. That to me is like maybe the. It's definitely the quintessential more Bond film. Sure. It might be for me the quintessential old era Bond film. Yeah, I I can go with that. And and just a little tease for listeners, it's not my favorite more. But I, I I'm I'm not turning down anything you're saying right now. Well yes, he's gonna talk about how much he loves Moonraker. God damn, no I'm not. Our next one, 1977's The Spy Who Loved Me. Um for me, the most notable thing about this is the introduction of Jaws. Sure. Who would become, um, who is a standout character among the, uh, among like the memory of Bond films. I think he's only in. He just, is. He is in three Bond films. He's in this. He's in Moonraker, and what else is he? He is in A Few to a Kill. Oh, how sad. Um, that is the thing that like. Because I, I, I know where you're going with this. The fact that Jaws is a repeating character, an odd job is not, is a point in Jaws's favor as being a, a more memorable character. I mean, I always just loved Jaws as a character. He's just like, he's fucking enormous. He kills people with his metal teeth. He's the worst character to play in Goldeneye. Indeed. Because he's tall as shit and really easy to hit. Uh, ironically, Oddjob is always the one that people were like, never. no one plays as Oddjob in multiplayer. He's too difficult to hit. Never mind the fact that, that char- the actor who played Oddjob was a perfectly normal-sized man. Indeed. He also killed people in real life, but that's another thing you should Wikipedia <laughs> rabbit hole. Sure. Um, but no, um, for, for the spy who loved me, I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh... This film bores me. Interesting. I think this this is one of the two more films that I legitimately have a hard time getting through. Mm-hmm. Live and Let Die, I can hate watch. Mm-hmm. The Spy Who Loved Me, despite having a like pretty iconic name, and as you say, we, we get Jaws... Um, I struggle to find anything else to say about it because this one honestly kind of bores the shit out of me. Yeah, I mean, it's the one with the dude who's, like, trying to destroy the world and start civilization, like, under the sea. And he has a weird Legion of Doom-looking, like, right. sea craft. Yeah. Like, it's a, it, it, you know what? It's great fodder for parody, there's a lot of great fodder for parody in it. The but, Spy Who Shagged Me. Yes, but it is, uh, it's less memorable. I, I feel it's not bad the way that Live and Let Die is bad. Sure. Um, I'd argue it's, this is the hard part about having On Her Majesty's Secret Service at the C tier, because I'm sitting here like, I'd say it's better than On Her Majesty's, and you know what, it's better than You Only Live Twice. I feel a fair, I feel fairly... See about this. Okay, all right. I, Maybe I can... you know that is. It's not as bad. I don't think it's bad enough to be a D, but it's not amazing. Sure. Um, I would rank it low C, high D. 
I would rank it below on Her Majesty's Secret Ser- on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I'd um, rank it just above there. Okay. All right. I, I I know what I want to use my veto on, so I'm gonna let this go. Okay. Cool. Uh, next up, we have one that I think you and I are going to have some uh, conversation about. I don't argue it's a good movie. I just love it. Sure. Moonraker. Yeah, Moonraker's a bad movie, but it is the most G.I. Joe we can sell some toys with this shit. Well, so, so here's a funny thing. I don't think I real. I did not realize that The Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker were one right after the other. Sure. Because one is about somebody trying to start a civilization under the sea, and the other one's about a dude trying to start a civilization in space. Right. I I will say, I think this is a bad movie, but I think it's better than The Spy Who Loved Me. I think Hugo Drax is an amazing villain name, if nothing else. (laughs) And I think I, I like him a little bit more because of that. I think Bond on the Moon is stupid, but it was 1979. Oh, and but remember the space laser fight that it, didn't even have Bond in it? Right, right. Just people fighting with lasers in space? It, I'm not like, I'm not confused as to how it got made. I, I think it's very clear and easy how it got made. Um, but I, I don't particularly love it. I would say it is better than The Spy Who Loved Me, and... I don't... Wait, 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 wait. Can I... Remember, the Bond girl is Dr. Holly Goodhead. (laughs) That is one of the best Bond names. And it ends with him and her having sex in zero gravity. Mm. Okay, you know what? Because it's fun... Because it is so much fun, I, I don't think it's good, but I think it's fun. Um, I would I would do high C or low B. I'm good with low B. All right, I, I am okay with low B. That 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 works for me. Okay. I don't think it's as good as Doctor No, but it feels in that same kind of space. Sure. Okay. Sweet. Um. Next up, for your eyes only. Um, I want to state For Your Eyes Only has one of the more hilarious posters of any Bond movie. Oh, yeah, where he's about to shoot somebody in the vagina. Basically, yeah. like, and it's just like a, it's it's just he's in the crosshairs of, like, a woman's ass while she's in a bikini bottom. Like, sure. it's, it's, like, Google this if you haven't seen it. Or, again, if you're opening our tier list, like, zoom in on it a little bit. It's a dumb poster, but it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not remember a thing about this movie. I know I've seen it, but I have to defer entirely to your opinion on it. It's, so, it's a decent one. It's, uh, it definitely had a thing where it was like, okay, we did our dumb science fiction, what, what is it when it's not a trilogy, but it's two movies in a row? Duology. Duology. We, we did our duology of dumb science fiction stuff. Um, so, you know, let's do, let's do something that's a little more back to, back to spycraft kind of mm. deal. Okay, I do like spycraft. Yeah. Um, it's very Cold War. It's very, like, it, it's another one where Bond takes on the Soviets kind of deal. Um... It's 
fine. Like, it has, I don't know, it, it it's fairly forgettable, especially because it's right between Moonraker and Octopussy. Sure. Um, neither of which are great movies, but, like, are memorable for their own reasons. Memorable is the word I'll use over good. Oh, listen, A View to a Kill is not far down here. Um, but no, like, for your eyes only, it's, it's fine. I, I honestly feel like, I hate saying this, but I, I, I'm still in the, like, C-ish tier, maybe C-D. It's not bad. Like, if you watched it, you as someone who appreciates a spy-laden Bond movie, sure. like, I, I, I feel like I remember, I, I'm, I'm skimming the summary here, there's a point where he, like has to travel to Cuba to, like, chase down some KGB links, and it gets captured and, like, kill somebody gets killed with a crossbow, and there's just... You know, it, it's a fun spy thriller. Sure. Okay, so what I'm... What, what I'm understanding is by not putting on Her Majesty's Secret Service in D tier, I've created this hole where... A movie has to be really bad, but not the worst movie ever. Where would you say on the C tier? Because that's what I'm getting off your impression. This I think it's. Ranks. I think it's it's better than You Only Live Twice, definitely. Um, it's probably better than The Spy Who Loved. I put it between Diamonds Are Forever and Spy Who Loved Me. Okay. It's 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 not a bad movie. It's. Not as memorable, and and the thing about more movies is, good or bad, they're very they're very much about the memorable moments. Yeah, yeah. like like Man with the Golden Gun has so many memorable moments, and so does Moonraker. Whatever your opinion of either one of them are, they are both very very memorable. The worst more movies are, the boring ones. Yes, and for your eyes only, it, it's boring unless you like spy shit. Yeah, okay. So, uh, it's better than Live and Let Die. I'm comfortable with putting it on, putting it there in that, like, upper C tier. I think it's maybe not as good as Diamonds Are Forever. Okay. Cool? Yeah, I'll go for it. All right. Now, Octopussy. 1983's Octopussy. You know what's great about you, English? Octopussy. Man, I must have seen that movie twice. Bazooka. Q is admonishing me and saying, hey, that's my lunch. This movie cannot be better than a D. This is my fucking least favorite Roger Moore film. And you know what? We just said Live and Let Die is the worst Moore film, and I stand by that. I think Octopussy is just as bad. This is the one where you get James Bond dressed as a fucking clown. Not a great moment. Not not even gonna lie about that. Um, I'm debating with myself whether or not I want to let you hoist yourself up by your own petard. Um, <laughs> you want to use your uh, your veto to not set this any higher than D. With the exception of one movie, I think this is the worst movie we have left to talk about. I. Here's the thing, and I'll I'll be a good podcast partner. I wasn't gonna rank this higher than D, my own self. Okay, all right. I don't think it's an F. I think it has again, like like any good more film, it's got um, it's got memorable moments. 
Like, it's really legitimately... There's a cool car chase scene in it. The character of Octopussy is a memorable one and not just for her name. Sure. Um, the name is one of the more memorable parts of this. Um, that Q scene is really cute. I, I, I really do love it. Um, it's, it, it has the clown moment, not one of the better ones. This is one of the goofier more movies. And I yeah. say that after we've already talked about Moonraker. It is a very goofy more movie. I'm comfortable with D. Moonraker is goofy but fun, and maybe that's because they lean into the science, the science fiction aspect. Octopussy is just goofy. You you said the worst more movies are the boring ones. I think we're realizing the worst more movies are when they try to be silly with it, because for one reason or another, that never works out well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. All right, so... So, Octopussy, solid D. It's not as bad as Live and Let Die. But it is not. But it's not great. Yeah, like I said, Live and Let Die, I'll hate watch, and I do think that makes it worse, if more memorable. Octopussy is one of the few Bond movies I've ever been like, do I just want to turn this off halfway through? Mm. We now have a film in every uh, category on the list, by the way. We're, we're missing anything in the D tier. Yeah. Um, but so that takes us from the Moore era. No, no, no. We got one more Moore. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. A How can view, I forget? A view to a kill. How can I forget? Until we A View to a Kill, which has one of another one of the top James Bond opening songs. A song done by Duran Duran. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think it, and, and I think A View to a Kill is one of Duran Duran's best songs. Like, unabashedly, I think it is an incredible song. I think it's a really good song. A View to a Kill is my favorite more. I, I personally like A View to a Kill more than I like The Man with the Golden Gun. Explain. I think The Man with the Golden Gun is perhaps more memorable. Certainly Christopher Lee is, is one of the greatest um, Bond antagonists, period. And there's something camp in the best way about From A View to a Kill... The fact that we have Duran Duran doing the song, the outrageous fight scene on the bridge. Um, we have Grace Jones as one of the best henchmen in the entire series. We have fucking Christopher Walken, <laughs> who I, I think you'll agree, up until like the mid-90s when they started actually casting A-list actors as Bond villains was, like, the single most famous actor, with all deference to Donald Pleasance, the single most famous actor to, like, yeah, go, go, yeah, I'll be in a Bond movie. Remind me, though, isn't Christopher Walken supposed to be, like, the result of a Nazi experiment? Yes, he's fucking evil Captain America, and I love it. He goes after Bond with a fucking fireman's axe at the end. You know what? 
I do. I think I do remember this movie as, and I think I do remember enjoying this movie more than I thought I did. Grace Jones. Grace Jones is amazing in this. Grace Jones kills somebody with a fishing pole that has like a fake butterfly on the end of it because it's this weird thing about the restaurant that Bond's in. You have people doing this weird like butterfly art thing, and she's got one where it's got like this poison dart at the end, and she. Tosses it into somebody's neck, and it's great. This is also the one, I, I, I don't know if you know this, there was some controversy with this movie, because at the end of it, for, you know, assisting with KGB stuff, Bond gets an order of Lenin at mm. the end of it, uh-huh. and there was some controversy afterwards where they were like, we're in the middle of the Cold War, Bond can't have an order of Lenin, dun, dun, dun. and it pissed off conservative British people. And so, you know what? Okay, where... where uh, 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 let me ask you, where do you want to rank this one? I want to rank this one as an S tier because it's my favorite more. I will rather say I think this is a solid A. I think this is better than Goldfinger. Uh, I would probably put it under Goldfinger, but... Uh, yeah, I'm not mad at putting it over Goldfinger. The song alone, what the song the, Grace Jones, Christopher. You, you know what? Yeah, okay, I'll give you. I'll give you this one. The thing that gets more by for me is, despite him having what I do think are the lowest lows of any Bond actor, he has some of the highest highs. He has some of the highest highs. Yeah. No, I'm I'm comfortable with this. I don't think this is as good as Thunderball. But I, I'm okay with it being above Goldfinger. I think this is a solid A-tier movie. Happy to do business with you. <laughs> All right. Now we move off of more on to one of the more briefer forays. Indeed. Uh, Timothy Dalton, The Living Daylights. So I'm going to state up front, not a huge fan of the Daltons. I... I like Dalton, uh, except for Lazenby, he is my least favorite Bond. Except for Lazenby, he's the one who did it the least. Yes. I, he, he has a charming smarm that I really enjoy, but, um, you know, I find him to be okay as Bond. I, I've... I don't know. I, I feel like when people say that Timothy Dalton is the worst Bond, I think that's that's a silly take. But... Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Paradoxically, then my answer becomes more is the worst Bond because I like Lazenby, but what are you going to do? I remember, I think this was from a fucking Cracked article, honestly. Somebody brought up a good point that Dalton is the angriest Bond yeah, I can see that. And I, I think that holds true, and I appreciate them trying to do something interesting with the character by making him a little bit more of a a hothead and a, a vengeful, darker character. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's another Soviet story one. It is very spy-y, The Living Daylights. Yeah. Um, oh, God, it has the... T- it has the stupid opening sequence where at the end of it, he, he's like... I don't know, but she scared the li- but but he scared the living daylights out of her, and it's Indeed. just like, oh god, that was bad. That was just bad dialogue. But uh, I don't know. I I I feel like soft 
CB here. So maybe. here, not not to spoil it, but I think the Living Daylights is better than License to Kill. So wherever we put the Living Daylights, just know I'm going to say License to Kill goes below it. I think this. I think the Living Daylights is fine. It's fine. I think if Moonraker's a B, I think Living Daylights is a B. Okay, yeah, I'm fine with that. Living Daylights, low B. Yeah, the lowest B, in my yeah. opinion. It's, it's yeah, because it's not bad. It's just, you know, if, if, if we're really putting this in the scope of all the Bond movies, um, yeah, Living Daylights, low B. License to Kill, one of the more classic titles. One of the more classic titles, for sure. Um, also... I believe this is the final um, Bond film that Albert Broccoli worked on. Albert Broccoli, famously the producer of the entire Bond franchise, so much so that his daughter, um, I want to say Rebecca Broccoli. Barbara Broccoli. Bar yeah, his daughter, Barbara Broccoli, has gone on to continue being the producer on every other subsequent uh, Bond film. Yes. Um, for the sake of just always tying this in where I know something about this, um, License to Kill was the first Bond film that didn't use a title from an Ian Fleming story. Mm. Um, and the plot of this one is uh, mostly its own thing. Uh, it takes a little bit of elements from a couple of Fleming stories, I think a little bit from the Live and Let Die uh, novel and a little from um, a couple of short stories, sure. I think. Um, I don't know which ones. I, I feel like I'm just, I'm just remembering this. But, um, but yeah, it was largely its own original story. And as I recall, it wasn't terribly well received. No, this one was a flop. And this was the one specifically where people were like, oh... This James Bond is like kind of scary. We we don't like that. We we do not care for this. And I think it is the reason why we only got two Timothy Daltons. Yeah, I mean, and, well, and it's funny. You talked about um, loving Felix Leiter as a character, and this is a very Felix Leiter-heavy story. This is the one where Felix Leiter gets his arm bitten off by a shark... His wife gets murdered and potentially assaulted before getting murdered. Yeah. Um, and Bond quits MI6. This starts the trope. You get this with every other actor who's played Bond since then. Bond quits MI6 and goes rogue. Mm. Uh, looking at the cast, you know Benicio Del Toro's in this one. I do know Benicio Del Toro's in this one. Wayne Newton is in this one. And it's not even the best Wayne Newton role in the Bond franchise. Oh, <laughs> uh, so um, so we made Living Delights low B. Um, I'm comfortable putting this probably C D tier. I don't think it's bad. I just think it's worse than in um, the Living Daylights. I. Hmm. Is it better than Diamonds Are Forever? No. No, no, no. It's it's solidly C for me. I'm just trying to figure out where in the C tier. Um, 
I would say this is like truly the middlest middle Bond film we've got. And I would put this between For Your Eyes Only and You Only Live Twice. I thought The Spy Who Loved Me was between For Your Eyes Only and You Only Live Twice. Oh, oh no. I had that between You Only Live Twice and On Her Majesty's Secret Service. One of us is wrong. One of us is wrong. Okay, real quick. So, so forget it, whatever we said, because I know I certainly have. What's a better Bond movie? The Spy Who Loved Me or You Only Live Twice? I think The Spy Who Loved Me is probably better than You Only Live Twice. Okay. What's a better Bond movie? The Spy Who Loved Me or License to Kill? I think License to Kill. I think License to Kill. All right. So we go License to Kill, Spy Who Loved Me, You Only Live Twice. On, on Her, Her Majesty's, Majesty's Secret, Secret Service. Service. Cool. Indeed. All right. I feel good about that. Yep. Um, now we move on to, I think we talked about this, Pierce Brosnan kind of feels like, he at least feels like my Bond in a I lot mean, of ways. He was he was the Bond of the new movies when I was coming up. Chronologically speaking, he was our Bond. Yeah, this movie no. came out when we were three and four, respectively. License to Kill came out the year I was born. Goldeneye came out in 1995. Indeed. No, no, no. No more foreplay. So, I feel like we I feel like we can spend a little bit of time on Goldeneye. Spoiler alert, I think Goldeneye is the single most iconic film in the series. I don't know if it's the most iconic film in the series, but it definitely is the most iconic film for Again, our generation. Sure. Um, I think that this movie... Brosnan is so weird. Because Brosnan bursts onto this... Brosnan does the opposite of Connery and Moore, where his best movie is his first one. Sure. And Goldeneye, objectively, is just a fantastic Bond movie in and of itself. Yes. Sean Bean's uh, Alec Trevelyan, Al- Alec Trevelyan or Trevelyan, maybe my favorite Bond villain, though I'll admit not the best. 006, absolutely incredible. Famke Jensen, Xenia Onatop, Xenia Onatop is classic. Yeah. She fucking kills people by strangling them with her thighs. Indeed, it's the most Bond shit ever. She like clearly gets off while doing it. Yeah, like honestly, it's funny. The one, one of the most like forgettable characters is your Bond girl in, in Natalia. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's... it's Even then, she, she gets her moments, but is outshone by Sean Bean, Famke Janssen. Judy fucking, Dench? This is the first Judy Dench's M movie? This is the first Judy Dench's M movie. We have Alan Cumming as Boris. Uh, I am invincible! With his fucking pen twiddling, which is why I learned how to twiddle a goddamn pen. Same. Like, it's just... <laughs> The gadgets are incredible. Like, and, no, and 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 I have to talk about this because you have so many iconic moments in terms of just like the plot lines. Yeah. And for me, that's always going to be extra reinforced, reinforced because of the N sixty four game. Sure. The N sixty four Goldeneye game, which came out like two years after this. Like this was not this was not one of those cases where they released a video game to promote the movie in time with the movie. Right. It came out significantly later. It is, in my opinion, 
like maybe the most like foundational first person shooter game yeah. of all time. You don't get any of the future FPS games you have without Goldeneye. And you follow the plot of the missions very close to the movies. Yeah. The gameplay is amazing. And, and you have these iconic stages. The bunker, the ship, the fucking train where you get to use a laser watch to bust out the bottom of it so that you can escape. And to go back to the film really quickly, you also get these amazing set pieces in the film. This is the film where we have a post- fall of the Iron Curtain Russia and we have James Bond driving a tank through Red Square. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous in the best way. It's also very self-aware. The um, the M scene, the scene where Bond meets M and there's this whole like, oh, M is a woman now. And, and she makes this comment to him where she's just like, I believe that you are a dinosaur, a relic of the Cold War. I think you're a misogynist and a sexist. Yep. And she just calls him out incredible. And, and it's, it's yes, she's calling out the character inside of the movie, but it's also very much a meta-narrative of, like, she's calling out. When she calls him a relic of the Cold War, she is talking about the history and legacy of James Bond as a character. For sure, talking and, about Connery. And this, is, and this is literally trying to bring that more into a modern context. Is Brosnan's James Bond also a misogynist and a sexist and a violent brute? Yes. However, he does he goes about it differently and he experiences change and emotion and disappointment no. in a different way. The best part about the Alec Trevelyan character moments is that it's betrayal. And it took us 30 years of Bond films to get another evil mem to get an evil member of MI6. Yeah. And he and him just like but but it's also so personal. It's this thing of just like, you know, James and I shared everything. Absolutely everything. Kind of moment. It's you experience mourning with him. In a way that you get glimpses of. You, yeah. you got it with Lazenby and Teresa. And hell, they continued that in the Moore films because he later avenges Teresa with a weird Blofeld stand-in that's not actually Blofeld. And... Oh yeah, he drops him down a smokestack from a helicopter. Oh, that's such a bad moment. Uh, I'm really glad we didn't even talk about it. Anyway, we just talked about it. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, this movie is... It's, you know what? Let, let me actually take a look here. We haven't had, we had a view to a kill, and we had the man with the golden gun, mm -hmm. and then we didn't have a particularly great Bond film beyond that for years. No. I'm looking at our S and A tiers, and this shit does not look great. I think Bond was in a massive slump as a franchise. And I think against all odds, they cast the guy from Remington Steel, which was a joke satire romance show based off Bond. They cast him, they come up with original plot, and they like nail it. They, this movie, it's so easy for you and me to get biased about this film 
but I truly think it is easily the best showing since um, A View to a Kill, and probably since it's better the man, than A View to a Kill. Probably the best showing since the, a man, the Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah, I would easily like this is an S tier movie. I yes. think we agree. Yes, I would put it probably. I would definitely put it either above or below from Russia with Love. So I recently, recently, a couple of years ago, I rewatched GoldenEye, and Mariah had never seen it. Mariah's not not really a Bond head. Um, so we sat down and we watched GoldenEye together, and I got to see it new through Mo's eyes and realize what a campy, quippy... There's Now, now, no more foreplay. <laughs> this has less charm and more of like a a funk of this safe 90s tongue-in-cheek humor and i think it all works but it's also so apparently obvious this is such a cheesy movie for as badass as it is at other moments oh it gets worse in the later bond movies yes it does um is this as good as From Russia with Love is my question. I think it's better than Thunderball. I, I, I do. I agree with that. Um, this is an interesting argument because I think the moments GoldenEye is at its best, it's better than From Russia with Love. But I think pound for pound, From Russia with Love is a better consistent movie I will go ahead and say it is below from Russia with Love I'm invoking veto okay I am using my veto to put GoldenEye squarely between the man with the golden gun and from Russia with Love I can't even pretend I'm mad about it okay alright alright now now for something really downhill. Oh, actually, no. It's, yeah, don't say that. I really like this next one. I actually, here's the, here's the point. It's not that the next one is bad. It's that the, the Brosnan movies, in order, just get progressively worse. Yes, agreed. Tomorrow Never Dies, 1997. I like this movie. I love this movie. I can't say it's objectively better than GoldenEye, but this has such a weird, soft spot in my heart. So the thing I love about this movie is... we is With this movie, we get a an original plot, an original villain. Yeah. That still feels very of the Bond aesthetic. For sure. We get Jonathan Price's Elliot Carver, who is a newspaper mogul. Yeah. Like, I guess larger media, but basically newspaper mogul, who unabashedly is like, I am trying to engineer war World conflict. War Three, so that I can sell newspapers. It is that simple, but he also gives off this toxic Steve Jobs energy. Yes. That is, like, his performance in this is actually really subtle, but really perfect. And, like, it needs to be said, his character is a fucking psychopath. 
like he's he, unlike Blofeld, he's not trying to secretly control the world. Unlike Alec Trevelyan, he's not doing stuff for revenge and or like his own trauma about being an orphan inducted into MI6. He is a crazy person who wants to sell newspapers by engineering global conflict. And he has my favorite bad guy weapon, which is this specific kind of torpedo that looks like a fucking electric razor and has three <laughs> spinning blades on the end. And that's like his big secret weapon is this goddamn torpedo thing that he shoots at the Chinese army submarines to try and engineer a nuclear war. It is ridiculous. It is not as good as GoldenEye. It is not even an S-tier film. Let's let's not forget this movie has Michelle Yeoh and Terry Hatcher. Like Terry Hatcher is kind of the Bond girl in this. Yeah. And she's like she's Carver's like trophy wife, but she knows James. I think I think it's implied that they They hooked up in the past. Yeah, yeah. like they know each other. Michelle Yu is the fucking like is Bond's Chinese counterpart and it's it's so fun. Like, this is a fun one. It's not as good as GoldenEye. I don't even know if it's as good as A View to a Kill in Goldfinger. I feel fairly fairly solid B and A yeah, on this one. I'd agree. I, I think it's better than Dr. No. I think it is a solid ass, as solid as you can get without being, like, in the conversation as one of the best Bond films. I can, yeah, I I don't mind putting it... You you think it's better than Doctor Now? I think it's better than Doctor Now. Mm. I'm inclined to put Doctor Now above it, but I think a lot of that is history. Sure. Just because I know that... You know what, I'm not going to argue with that. I'll put it above Doctor No, just because I know... The next two Bond films are just going to be more, more drops in, in quality. Indeed. All right. The world is not enough. The world is not enough. But it is such a perfect place to start my love. 1999. I have... Okay. This is not a good movie. I do have a soft spot for it. Specifically, uh, more than anything, I love that... I, I, I love the Bond Girl twist. Yes, I do like that. With with Elektra. Um, and I do love that her, like... Uh, I do love that the terrorist, Renard, has the stupid shtick. The... Go, go ahead, go ahead. Has this stupid shtick... That, like, it's that he was shot in the head, right? He was shot in the head so he cannot feel pain. It is the stupidest gimmick in, like, the, in a while. So he cannot feel pain. They don't, they don't at all reference the point that, like, while he cannot feel pain, he can still, like, have his bones broke. Do you know what happens to people who actually cannot feel pain? Tell me. They do shit like chew up the the meat on the inside of their cheeks because they can't feel the fact that they've been biting their cheeks. Jesus, all right. So they get infections in their mouths because they literally just cannot feel what they have, what they are doing to themselves. You, you've you've been talking or eating and like bitten in the inside of your cheek, right? Sure. 
Yeah, that apparently happens so often with people who legitimately have the neurological situation where they can't feel pain, where they just end up with cheek infections. Huh, all right. I'm sitting here just, and again, he, he get and Renard is not like, like he gets into multiple fist fights. He, he, he gets into fist fights with Bond. Yeah. And you're sitting here just like, yeah, no, that would crack a jaw. That would break a knuckle. If one... you get into fist fights with someone and you can't feel pain, you will break your knuckles because that's part of how you understand to hold your punches back so sure. that you don't hurt yourself. Aren't we introduced to his character by him grabbing like a hot coal or something and burning the shit out of his palm? It's not the introduction, but that is a moment with yeah. him. Yeah, like he just, he does that. It's a waste of Robert Carlyle, I'll tell you that much. It's, 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 but here's the thing. It's also very Bond. It's very Bond. Dr. Christmas Jones. Oh, God. The nuclear Put, physicist who wears hot pants. Let Okay, neither of us are going to say it. Andy, will you put in the drop that you know that I'm talking, that I'm thinking about at the end of the movie? Sure. Okay, that drop happens now. What's wrong about you? Yeah, how so? I thought Christmas only comes once a year. <laughs> That happened, and we let it happen. We let it happen. We we let Denise. We let that happen to Denise Richards. And hasn't she suffered enough? Exactly. Uh, uh, my favorite thing about this film is it is the return of Robbie Coltrane's character Valentin Zakovsky, who actually shows up in Goldeneye. And we get this really great moment where he clearly has history with Bond because Bond shot him in the leg once upon a time. And he feels it when it's cold. And it is always cold in Russia. <laughs> we, we get that his, is great. We get a return of his character. And we get the moment where they're both dying. And he pulls out a, a like secret cane gun and shoots at Bond's neck. And uh, by this point, um, what's-her-face... Electra King has already revealed herself to be evil. She's like, wow, he really hated you. But he was actually trying to help Bond because he shot the lock off of the thing that was on Bond's neck. It's, I love Robbie Coltrane. I also love Robbie Coltrane. You're right. I had even forgotten about that, that moment. But that is, and, and that is my favorite thing about this movie, which is not a good thing. Yeah. I don't like John Cleese. I do not like his portrayal as R. The the uh, he's not actually R. He is the new Q. Bond makes a joke. If you're if you your Q, does that make him R? Sure, fair. But yes, John Cleese's Q is mm, meh. Like how you gonna? You can't really replace Desmond Llewellyn, but you had to replace Desmond Llewellyn because yeah. wasn't he dying? Yes. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. So like, <laughs> oh, and it, oh, and it has that heartbreaking moment where he's like, "What have I always tried to teach you, 007? Always have an escape plan." And then sinks into the floor, never to be seen again. Indeed. Like it's 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 a beautiful moment. Um, yeah. It's not without its charm. Oh, real quick, did you know that Renard's character was originally offered to Javier Bardem? I did not. Yeah. Just thought I'd mention that to you. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, this movie is, I think, eh, C. Like a soft C. 
Yeah, it's it's not bad. We're about to get to the one that's bad, but it's it's easily the most forgettable of the Pierce Brosnan films because it's not bad and it's not all that good. What do you, is it? Lower C. Okay. Is think, it better than You Only Live Twice? Yes. Is it better than The Spy Who Loved Me? I think so. I, I would put it after License to Kill. Okay. I'm not mad about that. All right. Uh, world is... One of the better songs. Isn't that the one with Madonna? No, that is uh, Die Another Day. Who sings The World Is Not Enough? That's still a good that, song. That's garbage. Oh, okay. That's why I like that song. That's a great one. That okay. yeah, that's garbage. Yeah, one of the better one of the better songs. One of the worst movies. Yeah, I I, I do actually really love that song. Okay, so now we get to one of the more memeable James Bond movies. Perhaps the most memeable. Die Another Day. With its song by Nirvana, this is the big 40th anniversary movie, and you I think mean, it's the 20th? You mean Madonna? Oh, I'm sorry, yes. What did I say? Nirvana. Very... I, thought I, said, I thought I said Madonna. My D- different timeline. Okay, no, Madonna. Um, this was the big 40th anniversary. I right. think it's the 20th. Yeah. Apparently, like, the Easter egg is that there's a reference to every... Of every previous Bond film. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's it's like a Easter egg thing. You can look it up on YouTube. There's a whole there there are breakdowns of it. Sure. Um, but so and and again, there's the moment with Q where I think he's like, "This is your twentieth, isn't it?" Yeah, it gives yeah. him like gives him a new a new laser watch. Uh, or no, it's his car. Gives him, yes, a, gives him a new car. That's it's like, this is your twentieth right. car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the fucking CGI car that just turns invisible. Yeah, because... Oh, 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 oh don't, don't undersell it. The car is laden with microscopic cameras and projectors. So what happens is, as you're driving, it is broadcasting an image from the other side so yes. that it is camouflaged. Yes. That, if that sounds stupid to you, dear listeners, yes. This is... Die another day. There is an extended fencing sequence where Madonna fences with James Bond because he's trying to get intelligence from someone at her fencing school. And that's maybe one of the better set pieces of the entire film. Is this also the one with Halle Berry? This is the one with Halle Berry. This is the one where the bad guy is a North Korean national who undergoes plastic surgery so that it looks like he's a a rich British dude. He does not undertake plastic surgery. He undertakes genetic surgery. That's right. Gene therapy to turn himself white. In Cuba, where Bond goes and orders a mojito and gets delectado cigars. Indeed. This is the the best thing I can say about this film is I really like Rick Yoon. He plays Tang, who is the like chief henchman. He's the guy who has a um, briefcase full of diamonds explode in his face, and for the rest of the film, he has diamond studded scars, which is like the best henchman gimmick we get in a minute. No, no, that's that's a solid one. Um, this one has the very dumb, uh, Bond movie villain, uh, premise of he's going to use this, like, 
solar solar beam solar thing. Solar death ray to blow up the DMZ. And the North Pole. Remember, he originally uses it on, like, glaciers in the North Pole. Yes. Which is why Bond has to windsurf on a melting glacier. Yes. Which doesn't sound like much, but when it's being melted by a sun laser, he gets to windsurf on it. Well, this, this film suffers from them trying to do CGI. This is the most wacky of the Brosnan films. This does... Ha- I, I will say one thing in defense of this. You were talking... About, we, we've talked a couple times about opening sequences in Bond movies. Yeah. This is the one where Bond gets captured by uh, North Korean operatives. Yes. And he's tortured for like two years. Yeah. And like he's he's being fed scorpion venom and all manner of shit to try and get information out of him. Yeah. And then he escapes, winds up in Hong Kong, walking into a fancy Hong Kong hotel, like, bedraggled with a giant beard and tattered clothes, and they recognize him, and they're just like, your usual sweet, Mr. Bond. Indeed. Now, this is the one where he is part of a prisoner exchange, and he doesn't escape. That's it. He's part of a prisoner exchange, and... M disavows him and is like, you're fucking out of the program. We had to give up a North Korean general to save your ass. And then he, like, escapes from the hospital and goes to Hong Kong. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is the one where Pierce Brosnan defects, carrying on the trend that Dalton set. Um, This is not a good movie. It has its moments. Um, It has... Uh, Rosamund Pike as Miranda Frost, whom is a perfectly, like, suitable tertiary antagonist. MI6 double agent. MI6 double agent, yeah. Yeah. Another evil uh, spy. Um, This also has one of the most memorable, for bad reasons, um, henchmen in Mr. Kill, who is a, like... I don't even remember this character. He is the guy who they're torturing Bond with lasers and Tang, the like secondary antagonist, tells Mr. Kill, who is like, all we know about him is he is clearly like a a Maori or Samoan man or something like that. Um, Tang says to kill Bond and the dude laughs and goes, (laughs) I'll use laser. And then, like, tries to use a laser to torture Bond to death and then gets, like, a laser shot into his head. I feel it worth mentioning. This, I believe, is uh, our... Yes, this is our first post-9-11 Bond movie. Mm. And also... Halle Berry's Bond girl, Jinx, is an NSA agent. They try and... <laughs> I look at those two facts and I'm just sitting here going like, oh, this doesn't age well at all. Super doesn't age well. Uh, is okay. super silly. Is the worst Brosnan. Is the worst Brosnan. Um, has some charming moments, but is the worst Brosnan. What are you feeling, D? I think this is better than Octopussy, but I think this is an awful Bond film. I think this is a D. I feel like I would put it below Octopussy. I don't know how strongly I feel about that, though. You you mentioned you don't you haven't seen a lot of the Daniel Craig Bond movies. 
Correct. Do you want to use your golden gun bullet to say that this is better than Octopussy? I already used my golden gun bullet. Oh, it's your veto you didn't use. Okay, never mind. Um, no, the, v- the veto is the golden gun bullet. Did you lose track of your own metaphor? The veto is the sub sandwich that's a bazooka, Alex. Keep track. I'm, I'm fine ranking this below Octopussy. Okay, that works. Now we get into the Bond films, of which I have only seen half. Okay, all right. So, the Bond franchise is on the ropes. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody, like, wants to watch old man Pierce Brosnan do this anymore. Everyone universally agrees Die Another Day is bad. And we get the hot new reboot of the Bond franchise where they just kind of hand wave over the timeline and everything and is like, no, this is Batman Begins, but James Bond. But we're still going to have Judi Dench's M. Exactly. Don't worry about it. No, we are not uh, giving credence to the idea that James Bond is a code name. Fuck you. Pointedly so. Pointedly so. So we have Casino Royale. And holy shit, Casino Royale is one of the best Bond films ever made. I'm very happy to agree with that. We've talked about this a couple of different times because it absolutely had to come up in our discussion in James Bond. It also came up when I talked about how much I love Mads Mikkelsen. Yes. Because he is the villain Le Chief who weeps blood and is one of the single fucking coolest Bond villains ever. Who weeps blood, who plays poker, and who uh, tortures testicles. Is, is a big fan of torturing people's testicles. Yeah, no. Um, but on top of that, you, you get... You get Mads Mikkelsen, you continue to have Judy Dench, you have Jeffrey Wright as the new Felix Leiter. The new Felix, who is just fucking, uh, joy. Just perfect, just excellence, and I adore him. You have Ava Green as Vesper Lind, who is certainly one of the most compelling Bond girls. And you have Daniel Craig's Bond, which is a new take. It is the newest take. It is the newest take we have had... Since Moore took over for Connery, I would say. I would agree with that, for it's, sure. It's 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 a more insecure bond. It's a more it's a greener bond. Like he is not green to the job period. No. Like it, and pointedly so, the movie opens with him getting his two kills for his license to kill, because there's an MI6 requirement that you have to have two kills in order to get that license. Thinking about that scene just makes me smile. It's 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 excellent. This is a brutal bond. Yeah. Like, there's... I, I think about how there's a scene in... I want to say it was Dr. No, where, you know, Connery's bond is sneaking onto this island with the bond girl, and there's a, like, guard in scuba's gear who's walking by and he comes up and he kills him and he kills him in a very 60s way where they like fight a little bit and then he i don't i don't remember if he strangles him or yeah, I think he, he like, like breaks his neck really quickly yeah something like that yeah. and and it's it's understated how violent it is in the cinematography but the bond girl he's with is like oh my god you've killed him and he's like it had to be done and he just keeps going with Craig's Bond, 
you linger in that brutality for a minute. That right. that scene in the bathroom at the hotel during the poker game, like that is one of the more tense moments I've experienced in a Bond movie in a very long time. Yeah. This is also the most physical I think Bond has ever been. Thinking about all the, the massive parkour scene. the the parkour scenes where he's running through the Bahamas or, or wherever he is. Um the fact that like this Bond just fucking will run through alleyways chasing targets. To your point about brutality, this is the Bond that isn't afraid to di- directly disobey orders and shoot a guy with a bomb to prevent him from getting away. This is a brutal Bond. This is a badass Bond. This is a... This, I feel like, was the like... 20th century prestige triple a movie level quality introduction and certainly goldeneye was like its own moment and it's not like the bond films were ever an indie production or anything but this was just the sleek stylish sexy new bond and this movie this movie is incredible and I don't know if it's an S. I'm surprised to hear this from you. Where would you put it? I would put it top of the A or an S. I don't, I don't know if it's an S. My, my single biggest problem with this film is I think the very final 20 minutes get up its own ass. And it gets so interested in setting up Quantum of Solace that it leaves you hanging. It's this amazing, near-perfect movie that then demands you sit and watch another movie after it. Hmm. Wouldn't you argue that's the flaw of all the Craig movies, though? No. And I'll get to that later. Well, no. Uh, uh, all right. I, I'm I'm open to hearing this argument. And again, I I I know everything that happens in the later two Bond movies that I haven't seen. Um, I have seen Quantum of Solace, and and we'll talk about that. Sure. Um, and I know everything that happens in the later ones, but I we want to talk about a departure for this being a Bond movie. Every Bond movie up to this point has been able to be watched more or less on its own. Um, you know, you have the you have the moment with the Roger Moore callback to the Lazenby and the revenge for Teresa and Blofeld. You have in the Conneries this through line about Spectre. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can watch from Russia with love and hear them say, like, this is outright revenge for the killing of our associate Dr. No. Right. And maybe you don't necessarily... If you didn't see Dr. No, maybe you don't get exactly what you need there. But you can kind of, from context clues, go, Oh, spy character had a, had a situation with a member of this weird shadow organization. They explain who Spectre is every goddamn movie. Yes. So it's, it's like... Uh, you, you, there is that through line, but it's not necessary. This... I would argue the entirety of the Craig line is about the Craig character and they all flow into one another in a way that Bond movies never required you to do. Yes. 
I think partially that is just an evolution in storytelling mm-hmm. and and modern film writers going, well, we need to have some kind of multi-movie arc. I, I can't talk about this without talking about Quantum of Solace and Skyfall. And I, I, I don't know if we want to transition into them. Here, here's what I'll say. I have argued with you multiple times off camera and I've told anyone who listen who will listen the best Daniel Craig Bond showing is if you watch Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace back to back with like a 20 minute intermission and you take them in as one solid thing mm-hmm. judging each one on its own merits lessens it for me okay Okay, I hear that. Um, I won't. I, I certainly won't stop you from putting this. No, with that in place, I would probably put Casino Royale high A tier. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. I'm fine with putting it above a View to a Kill. Easily, it is. I, I would not be mad at anyone who was like, no, it is an S tier film. It certainly is one of my favorite Bond films, and I agree with A. Okay. So that brings us to the last Bond movie that I have seen. Okay. Um, this is going to get really interesting. So this leads us to Quantum of Solace. Yes. Which is a movie that, um, I'll be honest, I, I like. I liked when I saw it. I didn't like it as much as Casino Royale. Nobody did. But um, but you know what? I was actually a Quantum of Solace defender in a big bad way. Um, <laughs> I don't love you know the whole. I don't love the whole involvement of uh, Central American dictators. It, I don't feel like it sends the best message. But also, Central American dictators going to Central American dictate. Sure. I think I think I think it's a better movie than anyone gave it credit for. I I agree. I think this is a really fun movie. I think the biggest problem with Quantum of Solace is like I just said, Casino and Quantum are best viewed in a double feature showing with each other. When you view them separately, Quantum is the movie that feels a lot more without a clear purpose or direction. Mm -hmm. Um, We get a lot of Daniel Craig's Bond morning Vesper. And that is the single biggest moment in the entire franchise to me that feels like a, a continuity hitch where just in case you didn't watch Casino Royale, this entire thing is going to be lost to you. Why he gives a shit. Yeah. With that said, it has a a lot more action to it, I think. It has easily just as good set pieces. It has some fun callbacks um, to earlier Bond films. We get Gemma Arterton as a secondary Bond girl, Strawberry Fields. (laughs) Which is a good and stupid Bond girl name. Yes. And she has the awful fate of being drowned in oil and having her corpse dumped into Bond's bed. Which is a callback to Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Yes. This is also... 
I will say that moment is more bond with women than we got in any part of Casino Royale. Yeah. Casino Royale, for being such a great Bond movie, doesn't have a lot of the Bond womanizing stuff. Well, no, because you it's too busy chewing on the amazing sexual tension and repartee of Daniel Craig and Ava Green's characters, as it should. Yes. This one felt, in, in that one specific acts, uh, aspect, uh, a little bit more of a return to form. Right. This is also kind of unique in that we have... Um, the other Bond girl, Olga Kirilenko, playing Camille Montez, who is famously one of the only Bond women that does not actually have sex with James Bond in the film she appears in. Mm -hmm. um, which felt like a good evolution to me and, and a, a moving away from a lot of the old Bond tropes. Mm -hmm. Now that said, this film... Um, does a lot to like set up stuff. It's deeply tied to Casino Royale. Um, the plot is bookended with talking a lot about the secret organization that made Vesper betray Bond and we learn has a history of making spies fall in love with people and then the people they fall in love with betray them. It's building up to Spectre. It is. And I love that it builds up to Spectre, but it, it, it is so subtle about it that unless you are really paying attention and invested, it's easy to not know that it is building up to Spectre. Sure. Um... I love that this film ends with the bad guy being stranded in the desert to the point where he drinks castor oil yeah. and then dies. Uh, or not castor oil, it's just fucking it's just motor oil. oil. Yeah. yeah. He drinks motor oil and then dies. I think it's a fun twist that the entire time you think that the eco, the evil green eco organization you think that they're cornering the world's oil reserves and then it turns out they're trying to corner the water supply of yeah. the world there's a lot of stuff i like about this and on its own it is worse than casino royale yes so let's if we put casino royale in the high a I don't know. I, I feel pretty comfortable about this in the B's somewhere. Yeah, this honestly kind of parallels really nicely with Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah? Yeah, I... Hmm. Would you put it above Tomorrow what Never Dies? Not I'm not sure that I, I wouldn't. Not ready, I wouldn't put it above Dr. Really no. That's what I was about to no. That's what I was about to say is I actually would put this below Dr. Now. Between Dr. No and Moonraker? Yes, I think it's better than Moonraker. All right, I'm comfortable with that. All right, now we get to Skyfall. Okay, and so this is really interesting because you have not seen Skyfall. I have not seen Skyfall. I know everything that happens. I um, have seen every single clip of Ben Wishaw's Hugh, because I have a big, stupid, gross crush on him, <laughs> um, because he's beautiful, and I want to break him in half lovingly. Listeners, in case you don't listen to my other my other podcast, Cult Fiction, I have a big, stupid crush on James Spader, and I didn't realize... 
that Alex felt pretty much the exact same way about Ben Wishaw. Yes, but everything you want James Spader to do to you, I want to do to Ben Wishaw. Fair enough. Okay. I, haven't, I, I, haven't, I haven't smoked a cigarette in years, but I would put one out on his forehead. Fair and enough. And then kiss the wound. <laughs> I'm here for your, your fantasies. So here's the thing. I have, a, I have my, my golden gun bullet ready, and I have intended this entire time to use it for this movie. This is my favorite James Bond movie. Skyfall is fucking perfect, in my opinion. Okay. Explain. This movie gives you so many amazing moments. It introduces uh, Ray Fiennes, who becomes the new M throughout the movie. It gives us... The new Money Penny, played by Naomi Harris. It gives us the new Q, played by Ben Wishaw. This feels like the appropriate evolution of the concept of James Bond reboot prequel, because we start seeing all of the familiar tropes and trappings. This plays with the theme of you're getting too old and washed up for this shit. Bond because there's a whole like bit in the movie where he gets shot by Naomi Harris who uh, he gets shot by Moneypenny because in this new timeline Moneypenny starts off as another agent. As a field agent. Right. He is fighting on a train and winds up accidentally getting shot by her and that becomes a whole thing. He, he can barely hit the target with his gun, let alone group his shots properly. He's too old for this shit. Ah. And we get Raul Silva, Javier Bardem, making his appearance that apparently he was supposed to make in an earlier, <laughs> in an earlier film. Um, uh. And we get this amazing, it's, it's like Alec Trevlin, but better. He is, Raul Silva is the former MI6 spy agent who quit the agency and became this brilliant mad cyber terrorist. We get this phenomenal moment where after he's been captured, he pulls out a plate that is in his jaw to show the vicious scarring he has from when he bit down on a cyanide capsule and didn't die from it. Mm -hmm. Which fun callback in Die Another Day, there's the moment where M is scolding Pierce Brosnan's James Bond and he's like, what would you have had me do? And she went, you had your cyanide. He said, nope, threw it out years ago. Right, for sure. Um, We get this amazing send-off to Judi Dench. It is truly one of my favorite things about this film because... What this film becomes about is Silva wants to dismantle MI6 and kill M. And we get this really disturbing, in the best way, psychosexual motivation. He keeps calling M mother and, like, has this weird 
I want us to die at the same moment. I want to be as intimate and close with you in your final moment as I can be. I'm going to beat the shit out of you and Bond. Then I'm going to put our heads together and put a gun next to mine so that the bullet goes through both of our brains. Which isn't what happens, but it's what he wants to have happen. The massive critiques that people give this movie are that Ralph Silva is too much like the Joker in that he is five steps ahead of Bond. He gets captured and meant to be get, he, he meant to get captured. He knows the fucking train schedule to the point where when a train crashes through a building, it's not supposed to. Ralph Silva knew that was going to happen and it was part of his escape. And a lot of people like to say that's awful hacky writing. And I say that was a trope in Hollywood villains that we saw in the Joker, in Loki, in Ralph Silva. I was I was about to say, you know, Quantum of Solace came out the same year as Dark Knight. This movie was written in a was written pretty soon after Dark Knight. Yeah. And it's fairly obvious that those influences were there. It's incredibly obvious, and I don't mind. That's those are good influences. <laughs> okay. Bond films are allowed to be a little like beyond reality and and this guy being this evil super spy who survives biting cyanide capsules and can plan this shit eight moves ahead i'm fine with that the other thing people uh, don't like about this film is it to use a pun puts a bullet in the head of the popular fan theory that james bond is a code name because this film ends with Bond taking M to his ancestral home in Isle of Skye, Scotland, which is the Bond Manor. And it establishes once and for all that at the very least, the Daniel Craig James Bond, that is his Christian name. That is who he is. We get Albert Finney who is clearly supposed to be Sean Connery. Okay, don't act like that was obvious to you until I told you about it, motherfucker. Fair enough, fine. <laughs> yes, Albert Finney plays the gamekeeper of the estate, and it is very, very obvious from all points that the original hope was that Sean Connery would play that character. Right. Which is an interesting callback, because if they... You have to assume not getting Sean Connery, they probably did some rewrites for the character. Yeah. If they had actually gotten Sean Connery, would they have kept him as Kincaid or would he have been the old James Bond? Yeah. It's a really interesting idea and unfortunately we never got it. We're not going to get Christopher Eccleston back in Doctor Who either. So. Indeed. I really love this film and I like I I hear the critiques against it and I don't care. I think they are minor quibbles in the grand scheme of things. This has some of the best cinematography. You want to talk about good songs? Adele Adele's, singing Skyfall. Adele's Skyfall song is excellent. Is one of the best songs. It is the best Judy Dench movie in the series because M is never more important of a character and 
We talked about this. GoldenEye was our first Bond. M's introduction was just like, we never saw James Bond come out like come out new in our lifetime where Judy Dench wasn't M mm -hmm. and this is the film where she dies and it is her send off from the series and that is emotional spoilers yeah that is 19 years after she did or no 20 year no 17 years after she began in the role right it's amazingly cathartic i deeply love it i think skyfall is an S-tier movie, and I think it's better than GoldenEye. And you haven't seen it. <laughs> so. I haven't seen it. I Again, I know everything that happens in it. I've seen many a clip from it. I have never watched it beginning to end. I... I hear a lot of your points about the criticisms of this movie, and a lot of them seem to, re seem to come down to I don't care. Yes, I don't care. Uh, is it is 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 Ralph Silva being able to like know what the train schedules are any more implausible than Alec Trevelin having a secret Brazilian laser base? Here's the point with Skyfall that I and and I don't know if you'll disagree with this or not, but. I would argue, and I've heard this argument before, Skyfall is a good action thriller movie. Is it a Bond movie in the same way? I think so. And that, well, and that's the point. There's, there's, there's the argument there, and, and the thing about the Craig movies is that they are a break with all traditions unabashedly so. Mm. The the Brosnan movies were a celebration of those traditions. Again, this giant Easter egg situation you had with Die Another Day. They were a celebration of those traditions, and ultimately that didn't serve them very well. The Craig movies dealt away with most of those traditions, played with what they wanted to, left behind what they didn't. So it sounds like Skyfall is a good movie, it is tricky to place it amongst the Bond movies. You say S-tier. You say up there above Goldeneye. Here, here's my final word on it. This film is better than Casino Royale. And I say that because, unlike Casino Royale, Skyfall stands on its own two feet. You don't need to watch any of the other Bond films to get Skyfall and to get what it's about. It, it is a singular Daniel Craig Bond adventure. Um, and it, it works in a better manner from start to end, in my opinion, than Casino or Quantum. So you'll put, it, you'll put this higher than From Russia With Love. Yes. That, that is me... That, that is me starting to put my own personal bias for this movie above maybe a more objective reason. Tell you what, tell you what. I will put this in the exact... Like, this and From Russia With Love are tied to me. Okay. So are you comfortable... Goldeneye, From Russia With Love, Skyfall. Are you comfortable with that? 
Yes. You haven't used your veto yet. I'm going to use my veto on Spectre. I am comfortable with Skyfall being placed next to From Russia with Love. Okay. Which leaves us with the last film that we have both seen. Or, sorry, the last film that either one of us has seen. Because only you have seen it. I have not. However, again, I know all the events of what happens. Spectre. As much as I love Skyfall, I fucking hate Spectre with every fiber of my being. I am going to use my veto. This is the worst Daniel Craig. This is a fucking F. I have never been angrier walking out of a James Bond film than I was with Spectre. Okay. I'm not mad about this, but I need you to say more. This film starts really with a a 10-minute sequence in Mexico City, and it's really amazing. And the filmmakers knew it was really amazing because the shot of Daniel Craig wearing a skull mask was all over the promotional material for this movie. That 10-minute sequence has literally nothing to do with the rest of the film. The writers of this movie do something that I find so fucking offensive. The one thing they do that I don't mind is they do this really interesting callback to On Her Majesty's Secret Service because we get Leia Sadu as Madeline Swan, who, spoiler alert, winds up being the woman Bond loves so much that he is going to quit MI6 and marry her and ride off into the sunset. I don't mind that. I don't mind that we get Christoph Waltz as Ernst Stavro Blofeld. What I mind, what I hate, the, the, the thing that curdles in my guts about this movie... We get this sequence, the reveal of Spectre. And the film tries to tell us that everything we have seen in a Daniel Craig Bond film is because of Blofeld and is because of Spectre. I'm the architect of all your pain, James. We then get this fucking stupid twist where they try to say Ernst Stavro Blofeld is James Bond's adoptive brother and that they lived together as teenagers and that they know each other and then they went on their separate ways in life and now they're reconnecting. The film also tries to say that everything that happened in Skyfall and Raul Silva was part of Spectre's master plan. And no, it fucking wasn't. They they tack in this, this sequence where like Bond and Ray Fiennes and Money Penny, they're all like running through this uh, government building in London. And there's like po- photographs taped on the wall of Mads Mikkelsen and Dominic Green and Javier Bardem. And they try to say, ah, ha, ha. Raul Silva was working with Spectre, and there is not a goddamn reference to Spectre in the movie Skyfall. There are references in Quantum of Solace. There are references in Casino Royale. 
There is a character in all three movies named Mr. White. He's Leia Sadu's dad. And it is so very fucking clear that this is supposed to be the third movie in a trilogy, but it was the fourth movie instead because they made the third movie be Skyfall and it was its own standalone thing and it was fine. And then they go, actually, it's still the fourth movie. It's still the third movie in a trilogy. It's just the fourth movie in the franchise. And I fucking hate it. It is the stupidest writing choice in any of the Daniel Craig movies. It personally offends me. This movie is stupid in the bad way. <laughs> so what I'm hearing from you is that this movie took your toys took the Daniel Craig movies that you so passionately defend. Indeed. And very much stand behind and reoriented them in a way that you didn't like. It would probably be one thing if this movie came out before Skyfall. And it would probably be one thing if there was any indication in Skyfall that it was meant to connect? The answer to your question is yes. That's exactly what they do. But the thing that just I the thing I cannot get over is it creates this duology between Quantum uh, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. Those two movies are inextricably linked. Then it goes back to the familiar thing where you have a essentially standalone adventure. And then with Spectre, it, it, it tries to force the narrative that the standalone adventure was part of the duology. And in fact, it wasn't a duology. It's a, a tetralogy. It's a, or a, a quadrology. I'm making up fucking words here. Quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. And I just... That is the stupidest thing. You don't need to do that. You don't even need to really lean into referencing Casino Royale and Quam Solace. Hmm. By the way, I don't mind Christoph Waltz as Blofeld, but he's not a very compelling villain. The best, the best moment from him is the reveal that he is the like big bad, and and we get the line from the trailer that I just quoted. Honestly, the best antagonist is Dave Batista, who plays I didn't even know this fucking character's name, but he plays Mister Hinks, and he fights Daniel Craig on a train, and it's like a really good train fight scene, and you're sitting there going like, "You go, Dave Batista. You're becoming like." <laughs> A real actor now. And God, this movie makes me fucking tired, man. It's... Andrew Scott is in it. Andrew Scott is in it. And they waste Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott is a fucking double agent who nobody trusts from the word go. So the fact that he is actually a double agent and he's evil, it's like, yeah, everybody knew he was evil the entire time. 
you get him fighting Ray Fines, and like it's fine, I guess. I I will be kinder to this movie in that I will amend my statement. It is not automatically an F, but it is not higher than a D. It is the worst Craig film without having seen No Time to Die. Again, I'm not mad if you want to put it in F. I want to put it in F. Okay. Do you want to put it below Live and Let Die? No, but only for the advances in filmmaking. It is easier to look at to look at Spectre if it is not easier to watch Spectre. Okay. Well, that is 24 James Bond films. And what is easily our longest episode. So... Just to reveal, F tier. At the worst end, Live and Let Die and Spectre. Indeed. D tier, Die Another Day. And better than that is Octopussy. C tier, from lowest to highest, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, You Only Live Twice. The Spy Who Loved Me, The World Is Not Enough. License to Kill for Your Eyes Only and Diamonds Are Forever. I know you want to put Her Majesty's Secret Service in the D tier. And I I have too big of a soft spot for it. I've accepted I've accepted our rankings. All right, all right. B tier from lowest to highest. The Living Daylights, Moonraker, Quantum of Solace, Doctor No and Tomorrow Never Dies. A tier Goldfinger, followed by A View to a Kill and Casino Royale at the top. Finally, our S-tier Bond films. Lowest to highest, we have Thunderball, Skyfall, From Russia with Love, Goldeneye, and The Man with the Golden Gun. Solid. Two Conneries, a Moore, a Craig, and a Brosnan. I, I take great joy from seeing that we have, with the exception of Lazenby, every single Bond has a movie in the B tier, which is the good tier. So we can agree every Bond, except maybe Lazenby, at least has like a good showing. Sure. And to your point, every Bond who has done the role for more than two films has one of the best Bond films in an argument. I'm happy with this list. I am too. I don't agree with every little bit of it because I've had to compromise with you, but <laughs> but I am happy with this tier list. I am compromising with you in that Roger Moore has the best Bond film by our estimations. I wondered if you would let me get away with that. I figured I was I was forcing your hand in too many other issues. You know what? I I think we did a good job here. This was a tremendous amount of fun and at least 2 hours later, dear internet friends, we hope you have enjoyed this holiday episode. Thank you so much every single one of you for following along with us on this. Um I enjoyed the shit out of this, Andy. 
I enjoyed the shit out of this. We came up with this idea on a whim, and I think this is what I want to do as a little, like, as a treat for as you and me. As a fucking treat. We can, do a, we can do a ranking where we fight with each other over opinions as a treat every holiday. Yeah, no, that's perfect. <sighs> Thank you, dear listeners. Um... Usually we answer internet questions and talk about other things. And if you have those questions, you can please send them in to lovehaterelationshippodcast at gmail.com, where we promise we will always read them. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Sp- Google Podcasts, uh, not Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or even TuneIn Radio. Hey, Mom. Um, you know what? This... This uh, Roger Roger Moore being at the top of our tier list, this one's for you. (laughs) Uh, You can also rate and or review us on any and or all of those platforms. It helps people find the show, we're told, I guess. You can find us on Twitter. I mentioned that's LHRPod. That's L-H-R-P-O-D. Maybe we'll be on Blue Sky in the new year. Um, you can also find me, Andy Boel, at JoVocop2113. You can find my other podcast, Cult Fiction, that I do with the incomparable Stephanie Johnson, everywhere you can find this podcast. Embrace it at this point at A underscore X underscore R U I Z. Thanks for listening, y'all. Happy holidays, and as ever, please tell your enemies.